Hey everybody, welcome to episode 298 of the Running Rogue Podcast. This is your host, Chris McClung, coming to you from Austin, Texas. And today I have for you a topic suggested by a listener. So thank you to Victoria from Florida for this suggestion. She wanted me to talk about solo training versus group training and the pros and cons of both. And I want to make sure that everybody who might be in a solo training modality is affirmed that that might be the right thing for you. And of course, those that are in a group training modality, that might be the right thing for you as well. So we'll be talking about five things for each of those different types of training that I think are either pros or cons. I uh, don't necessarily have this in any particular order and ways to make sure you're maximizing each of those options depending on what's best for you. So we'll get to that in just a second. Before we get there, I wanted to talk a little bit about my sponsors for today. Thank you to BetterHelp as well as to Athletic Greens who are sponsoring this episode. I am a user of both of these services and I recommend them to you, of course. So I'll, t- I'll talk about offers for each of them here in a second. Before we get to my main topic, I wanted to quickly give a shout out to an influence of mine who sadly just passed away. This is not in the running world. Some of you who are soccer fans might be familiar with the journalist Grant Wall. Wall spelled W-A-H-L. He recently passed while reporting at the World Cup in Qatar from an aortic aneurysm, basically an undetected deformity in his heart near the the aorta that basically burst and caused him to die suddenly there in Qatar. And it's a tragic death. He was 40 eight or 49 years of age. I'm not exactly sure. I've seen both reported, but died way too young. And I want to send my condolences out to his wife, Celine Grounder, who is actually somebody who was a part of the pandemic task force with the White House in 2020 and 2021. Grant was a soccer journalist who got his start initially in sports at Sports Illustrated as a fact checker would move on to to cover college basketball and then eventually make a career for himself as a soccer journalist, really the premier soccer journalist in the United States for the last decade plus. And now he has since moved on from Sports Illustrated and has started his own Substack subscription-based newsletter service and was covering all of the qualifiers for the U.S. leading up to the World Cup and then the World Cup itself where he suddenly passed. And he's somebody I, he's somebody from a journalist perspective that I, rec- that I would recommend anybody read. He, he's somebody who I would read every single word that he wrote as a soccer fan. He's somebody I also felt some solidarity with because he made his life and living out of a passion for a single sport in soccer. And for me... Even though I'm not a journalist, I'm a coach. I, I find solidarity or found solidarity in with him in the fact that I also make my career out of a passion for a single sport. And so to see him pass was really tragic, really sad. I found myself crying tears of sadness over the last week plus since we learned of this really tragic news And I just wanted to mention him because there aren't many people in this world that 
you can point to to say, hey, they're doing exactly what they were meant to do. They're doing exactly what they love. And that was clearly Grant Wall. And I guess it's poetic in a sense that he died doing exactly what he loves. Sad as well. But also for me, it's it makes me reflect on what I'm doing and also in many ways reaffirm what I'm doing in that I'm also making a career out of the thing that I'm passionate about in running in changing lives through the sport, moving one foot in front of the other. And so I just wanted to recognize and acknowledge his influence on me as even though I'm not a journalist, the way he went about things, the professionalism with which he went about things inspires me. The way he covered soccer from a balanced and humanitarian standpoint in a sense that he covered all aspects of it from the women's game to the men's game to the the helping to deal with the corruption involved with that sport and speaking out against it as I do for clean sport in our sport. And so he inspired me and I'm a great admirer of his work and for those who also are soccer fans, I encourage you to go back and read some of his articles and also to mourn with me the loss of someone who who really helped build the sport to what it is today here in the United States. So I just wanted to give a shout out to Grant Wall and to his family and friends and those that are closer to him who are grieving during this time with his sudden and tragic loss. His spirit lives on in all of us that read his work, including my, including me. And so I just wanted to mention that before I got started because he was a, a big influence on my life and we've now tragically lost him way too soon. So just wanted to mention that before I get started. But now let's jump in. Let's talk about solo training versus group training and the pros and cons of each, and really I'm not going to necessarily categorize it that way. I'm going to talk about five bullet points that I've got under both solo training and group training. And I just wanted to, before we start, before we jump into it, just acknowledge that running is only a solo sport if you want it to be. And if it's that way for you, and that's the way you thrive in it, then that's absolutely okay. And if you thrive in it via a group version of the sport, then that's also beautiful and okay. And I've got five notes here on each of those different types of training and ways to maximize either approach as we jump into this. But both are beautiful in their own ways. I can tell you as a runner for 23 plus years now myself, I've done both things. Really, the first half of my running career was primarily solo with a handful of friends that I would periodically do workouts with. And the latter half of my running career, once I found the road community and got involved here with the road community, is has been group-based training. And now I can't really imagine it any other way. But both are beautiful in their own ways. And I've just got five notes to share on each that talk about the beauty of each modality as well as some of the challenges. And we'll dig into each but I wanted to, again, thank Victoria for this suggestion on a show topic. And if you have your own suggestions, please do share. You can always find me on Instagram and shoot me a DM or you can email me, chris at roguerunning.com. So let's jump in. We'll talk solo training first, then group training. 
And of course, as we go, I'll be talking here about BetterHelp and Athletic Greens, two of my sponsors for this episode. But first, let's talk about solo training. Five things on solo training. One, one of the beauty, beautiful parts of solo training is that it becomes an opportunity to really disconnect from others, get centered within yourself, recharge, and solve the world's problems. I can tell you as an introvert, I really, really love my solo runs. I don't typically listen to music while I run, but I will dig into my brain, as many do perhaps in the shower, and I will solve the world's problems. My problems, the world's problems, and often my best ideas come from a clear mind created by a beautiful solo run. And so even for those that do happen to train within groups, I recommend a solo run periodically just to clear the brain, clear the mind, cut the noise, and simply dig into your brain and solve whatever may be on your mind. And as we talk about this aspect of solo training, one of the things I want to encourage you with is to periodically go out for a run, no headphones, just you, your mind, and the open road or trail. And set an intention, not necessarily to solve a specific problem, but set an intention to perhaps think about a specific thing. It could be something that's on your mind. It could be a situation at work. It could be a situation in your personal life. It could be a situation related to your running in that maybe you want to visualize success in an upcoming race or something like that. But set your intention at the start of the run. And then let your mind pour over that intention as you go out for the run. Because if you set that intention and give yourself a prompt, so to speak, when you're out there on the run, then more than likely you will find something new out there that is beautiful and unique and that wouldn't have perhaps occurred to you without the beautiful solace of moving one foot in front of the other on your own. So that's something that I think is a big advantage of solo training is that ability to disconnect from others, from your phone, from social media, and retreat into your mind and simply think about something that might be on your mind. And you might find that in that pursuit, in that journey, that whatever intention that you set, you might your mind might wander somewhere else And that's absolutely okay. I wouldn't limit where your mind goes in the context of these runs. I would just simply let it go and let the mind go where it may and simply come back refreshed and refilled on whatever topic might have come to mind. And when I do that and something pops in my head that is unique or that's powerful that I want to hang on to, I make sure that when I get back to my house or wherever it may be that I spend some time just taking some brief notes so that I can capture those thoughts because similar to a dream that you might have that might inspire you, sometimes that can flitter away in your mind once you wake up. I think the same can be true on a run. So make sure that you capture some of those thoughts either on paper or perhaps tapping out some notes on your phone so that you can carry it with you beyond that run. But solo running is a beautiful opportunity to recharge, 
solve the world's problems. But I encourage you when you're doing that to set an intention so that you give yourself some parameters, some boundaries for which your mind to wander so that those thoughts may come in a productive fashion. So that's number one, a beautiful part of solo running. Another beautiful part of solo running, especially as we get to thinking about training benefits and the opportunities to make sure you're in the right space in running, is that when you're running by yourself, you can really, really focus on staying in your zone. You can run an effort that's conversational, that's easy for you, that fits your aerobic capacity development zones whether that be in the context of an easy run or whether that be in the context of a workout, you can stay in your lane. We'll talk in a minute about how that can also be a challenge, perhaps, to make sure that you're accountable to where you should be by yourself. But when we're with others, there's sometimes a temptation to run their pace, to get pushed beyond where we should go, or perhaps to slow down and find a different zone, particularly in workouts that might not be right for you. But when we're by ourselves, we can hold ourselves accountable to the right pace, the right aerobic effort zone. And if we're on top of things, we can make sure that we're doing exactly what we need to be doing to get the output that we might want on a given run. So That's another beautiful benefit of solo training is that you can get exactly what you need. And sometimes when we're running with others, we might get, we might be tempted to move beyond that, to run too fast. We might be tempted to run slower than we need to in certain cases, although that's often not a problem. And so if you are a solo runner, embrace that fact. And we'll talk in a minute about how you make sure that you're doing it in exactly the right way and that you're also accountable to yourself in the context of this solo training. But that's one of the benefits and beauties of solo training is that you can do exactly what you need to do. You can stay exactly in that aerobic capacity developing zone. We can go easy enough on your easy runs. You can go exactly the paces you want to go in workouts so that you're getting exactly the output that you need in order to get the benefit from your training that you want. So that's number two. Number three about solo running, if you're doing this the right way, is that it can be a beautiful way to simply stay consistent in the context of what you need for your training. You don't have to rely on anybody else. And we'll talk in group training about the fact that the group provides accountability But I think one of the beauties of solo training is that you can be exactly where you need to be. You can stay consistent if you're accountable to yourself. But how do you do that in the context of solo training without the accountability of the group? There's different ways that we can talk about. One of the ways I like to ensure that, especially in the context of my solo training, I was consistent was by simply signing up for a race, making sure that I have that next thing on the calendar to go chase. Because if I didn't have that, I wouldn't necessarily be consistent year-round. So if you're going to run solo, make sure you have ways to hold yourself accountable. One of those ways is to sign up for a race. Another way is perhaps to get a coach 
who can hold you accountable in one form or another. Perhaps it's a virtual coach. Perhaps it's a coach that you might work with locally. But somebody who, even though they may not be running with you, somebody who can watch what you're doing and make sure you're on track. Another way that I like to stay consistent in the context of solo training is to make sure that I have a plan. Maybe that's from a coach. Maybe you write it yourself. But sit there and lay out for the next three, four, five months exactly what you plan to do day by day and then track that against that plan. Three miles today, did my three miles. Six miles today, did my six miles. Tempo run today, did my tempo run. Make sure that you're noting exactly the work as you go. So have a plan and stick to it because sometimes when we get in the solo running mode, which is again beautiful in its own way, you might have a tendency to cheat yourself. You might have a tendency to skip runs because you don't have that person holding you accountable. And so how are you going to hold yourself accountable? Have a plan, have a goal, perhaps have a coach who can hold you accountable and watch what you're doing. And if you don't have those things, also find a friend. Maybe they're not following the exact same plan. Maybe they're not doing the exact same thing you are. But talk to them about your goals. Talk to them about your plan. Have them hold you accountable. Could be a friend, could be a spouse, could be a partner. Could be somebody else in your life who may not be running, but who can sit there and say, hey, did you do your run today? Because I'm watching. And again, even though you're not training in a group, that can provide that individual accountability, that support system that you need to get it done. So that's another one. Before we get to number four, I want to talk about my partner here in BetterHelp. BetterHelp is an online therapy service provider. They're the largest online therapy service provider. You can go to their website. You can fill out a questionnaire, lay out exactly what you might be looking for in an online therapy service provider. They will give you a recommendation and connect you with that provider so that you can get the support you need from a mental health perspective. And I can tell you, I know there's a stigma around this that people might be afraid to reach out. People might be worried about what people might think if they reach out to a provider like this, that there's something wrong with them or that there's, or that there's weakness in them. But I can tell you as somebody who has used these services, not only online, but also in person, it is absolutely critical to help you be a whole human to deal with those mental health challenges that you might be facing. So if there's any inkling in your mind that you need support in some way, for me, I've done it related to dealing with some grief at the loss of a friend. I've also done it in supporting my parenting. If there's any inkling that you might need support from a mental health perspective, I encourage you to reach out to BetterHelp. You can go to betterhelp.com to learn more. And if you want to save 10% off your first month at BetterHelp, go to betterhelp.com forward slash running rogue. Again, that's betterhelp, H E L P.com forward slash running rogue to save 10% off your first month of that mental health support that you might need. So go check it out. Okay, again, getting back to solo training, we've got four other things to think about here. One of the biggest challenges of running solo is just simply passing the time. Passing the time, 
making sure that you can be excited and engaged when sometimes it's hard to get out, get out there on your own. And so how do we do that? How do we do that in a way that keeps us excited, keeps us engaged for getting out there? And so I wanted to give some tips on that. One is simply making sure that you're using whatever resources that you might might have or need to occupy the time. For me, as someone who likes to run solo and just think about the world's problems, that can be sufficient. But I will also, in on those solo runs, try to do things that create variety by seeking variety in my routes, maybe perhaps hitting the trail periodically, doing things that are going to be interesting. I'm not someone who likes to run the same routes every day. And so I'll go out and do different routes on the road. I'll go to the trail periodically. I'll li- I like to mix it up to keep things interesting and exciting for me. For others out there, music might be the best way. I'm not someone personally who listens to music on my runs, but I do believe in the value of music as a tool to keep you excited and motivated to go run. So use Use those headphones, those Aftershocks, those AirPod Pros, whatever it may be, to engage musically on your run. Create the playlist, spend some time on it, figure out what works for you from a musical perspective while you're out there because it's going gonna, it's gonna to help you pass the time as you go run. Another thing, of course, is listening to podcasts. Some people out there like to listen to this podcast, so thanks to those that do that. Others might want to listen to other podcasts, depending on whatever genre might make sense to you. But I would encourage you to think about what are the things that are going to keep you excited, keep you motivated, keep you engaged while out on those solo runs and experiment with it. Figure out what works for you and then repeat that over time, whether it be music, podcasts, simply getting into your own mind as I will do or perhaps finding that variety. Those are all ways that you can engage your mind so that these runs are exciting out there on your own. And as a part of that, you know, I think if you think about doing workouts on your own, that can be also a way where you can get creative is find creative places to go do workouts. Doesn't necessarily have to be at the same track every time. Go find some 400, 800, one mile loops near your house or near your place of work so that you can go do workouts in venues that are unique and challenging and that might be ever-changing so that you get the variety that you need to stay motivated and engaged. So that's number four, is think about how you might pass the time. Number five, and this is probably the biggest challenge with solo running, is how do I get the most from myself? How do I push myself on those runs when no one's watching? And I remember doing a lot of solo running early in my career as a runner. I had a job where I traveled a lot, so often would do workouts in the evening on my own, on the road, somewhere else, and I had to get out there on my own, and I had to push myself on my own, and I was really only accountable to the watch on my wrist, but yet I found a way to continue to push myself and find those PRs, and so I want to talk about some ways that I did that. Again, as I mentioned earlier, having that schedule and being accountable, that schedule was helpful, but also making sure I knew exactly what paces I needed to be running on those runs so that I could measure myself against the standards that I set, not necessarily faster, but right on track for what I was doing. I also, at that time, had a friend 
and we would train simultaneously for the same thing, even though we were in different places, not necessarily running much together. We would train simultaneously for the same thing so that I could check in with him after my workouts because we were doing similar things. And I could say, hey, I got it done on the road. I remember really cold days in Columbus, Ohio, while I was traveling, doing some work on my own in order to train for the Austin Marathon back at the time in 2003 and four. But I was getting that work done and I was texting with a friend to let him know that I got it done because he was also training for that same race. So even though we weren't together physically, we were together in spirit and both trying to get the same work done over time. So that was another way that I stayed motivated. And then of course, just having that race to go chase was another thing that kept me motivated. So if you're gonna run solo, have that race, have that carrot out there. Have your schedule and your plan that you can follow. Find someone who can help you be accountable, who can make sure that you're getting the work done, whether that be somebody who's training in parallel or whether that be a friend or partner who's just checking in on you to make sure that you're getting it done. Make sure you have that person that you can think about while you're doing these runs and workouts to make sure that you're on top of it so you can keep building towards your goal. Because for those of us that prefer solo running or that might be self-motivated, it can be a beautiful and powerful way to train. It doesn't have to be the only way, but I do think it is a beautiful way to do it. And it's something that I've done before myself. So if that's how you're doing it, more power to you. I highly encourage you to keep doing it. And don't be ashamed that that's what works for you. So if that's you, Victoria from Florida, then that's a beautiful thing. All right, let's talk about group training and some of the nuances of group training. As we dive into this, the first question you might ask is how I might find a group, how I might find a group. And I have to plug our Rogue Renegades virtual podcast-based group. We're going to be opening that group here in January, January 3rd. If that's something that might be interesting to you, stay tuned on the podcast. I'll be talking about that here in the coming weeks as we open that up in the first of 2023, at the beginning of 2023. So that could be a way. There's virtual groups. There's also in-person groups. And finding a group might be as simple as going to a local running store and talking to them about what groups might be available in your area. There are often groups tied to running stores and or sometimes they're going to know who they can refer you to that might be a partner of theirs. So go check it out. Of course, you can also go find local runners in the area that might be at a race that you've gone to, at a local trail that you've frequented, and talk to them about what group they might be training with. But running, again, is only a solo sport. If you want it to be, it can be absolutely powerful as a group endeavor if you can find the right group for you. And as a part of this, I want to say that Not every group is right for every person, so it may mean that you need to try out a few before you find the right fit for you, but typically you want to find that group that fits your ethos, that has the vibe that you're connected to, that also fits the pace ranges you need to be training in, and that makes you feel welcome so that you can then be supported and held accountable to your goals. So find the group, and if you need to try a few, to find the right one for you, then that's absolutely okay. 
Number two, one of the beauties of group training is that it's a great vehicle to push yourself. Now, of course, you have to be careful with that. You don't want to push yourself too much. But one of the things I love about group training is that you can typically find that person who's just a little faster, a little fitter than you, who can, on those days where it's, a, where it's time to push yourself, who can push you to that next level so that you can find that extra gear. Now, you have to, again, be careful with that. You have to use it in the right context. And some days it's about staying right in your zone and slowing down and hanging out with the person that's exactly the easier pace you might need to be running. But other days it's about chasing that person that's just ahead of you and finding that extra gear and learning to relax and stay in control at that gear. And that's one of the beautiful things about group training is that you can typically find that person who's just going to give you that little bit extra, who's going to push you to that next level. And so number two and the beauty of group training is just that opportunity to push yourself. And when you have that group to chase, you can often find another gear than you can on your own. Number three, beauty of group training is that it is a beautiful social outlet. It is a way to connect with people that extends beyond the screen or social media or that extends beyond the superficial. You know, we have in-person group training here in Austin and we meet 5.30 a.m. or 6 a.m. in the mornings typically for our long runs and I can tell you that there are absolutely no masks at that time of day when you're going out to run 10 plus up to 20 miles in the summer or in cold conditions. You simply can't hide from who you are and that's one of the things I love about it is you're going to talk about anything and everything under the sun and you're going to truly connect with people in a way that you can't connect otherwise outside of the run. You're going to discover things about others. You're going to discover things about yourself. Iron will sharpen iron in ways that you don't expect. And that's an absolute beauty of our sport when you're out there for several hours on your own and I don't think there's really any other place perhaps right now in our world where you can do that is simply get out there, be yourself, connect with others without a distraction in front of you, without a screen to, to get your attention. You can simply connect and dig deep with somebody on your own and learn about them at a deeper level, confide in them, talk to them, solve the world's problems together perhaps in ways that you just simply simply can't do on your own. And then often that bubbles over to social outlets and social interaction that extends well beyond the actual one foot in front of the other. So that's another beautiful part of group training that I think is often underestimated. So find that crew you can roll with, that you can share your life with, that you can solve your own problems with, that you can connect on a deeper level with that extends well beyond social media or screen time. It is a beautiful, beautiful thing. So that's number three about group training is that beauty of the social interaction that comes with it. Before we get into number four, I want to thank my sponsor, Athletic Greens. They have now been a sponsor of mine since the summer. I've been taking it myself since the summer. They are essentially a multivitamin on steroids, without the steroids, but with many other good things for you. And I've been taking it since the summer and feel great about it. 
You've got basically a multivitamin complex included. You've got prebiotic and probiotic. You've got adaptogens. You've got a superfood complex included within Athletic Greens. It's a way to start your day with all of the things you need to feel strong and healthy and good about yourself so that you can attack the day full force, so you can attack your running full force. Personally, I take it in the morning, right after my workout, before I eat breakfast to kickstart my day. It has a sort of mild tropical flavor, tastes good, goes back smoothly and easily. Its ingredients are high quality and it has the best of the best based on the latest science to make sure that you get exactly what you need. It also costs less than $3 a day, so less than a cup of coffee. And it's that all-in-one nutritional insurance to make sure you have exactly what you need. So to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash running rogue. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash running rogue to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So go check it out. All right, let's get back to group training. Two other things I want to talk about here. First, just accountability. Accountability. Just knowing that you're going to have somebody waiting for you who might be let down if you don't show up. It is so powerful. And again, with your group training, it might not be a formal group. It could simply be a community that you've created, that friend or friends that have decided to get together and hold each other accountable. But if you've got somebody waiting on you, then there's no doubt you're going to be more motivated than ever to get out there and get the work done. And I just, I can't stress how important that is. You know, again, you can create that in in certain ways via solo training, but there's nothing like having that person there who you know is going to be let down, who you know is going to be texting you if you're not there, who's going to hold you accountable to getting the work done. And that accountability extends beyond just showing up. It also extends to accountability with getting the right work done, whether that be accountability and running easy enough on your easy days. Maybe they can help you do that. Or it could be accountability and perhaps pushing or holding pace on those faster days, on those workout days. That is also a form of accountability that comes within the context of the group. So it's much more than just the accountability to show up. It's the, also the accountability to do the work in the right ways. So I can't stress enough how important that is as a part of your training. So group training, accountability. But as we wrap here, number five with group training, that is a watch out or a call out, is that you have to be very, very careful not to get sucked in, not to get sucked in beyond where you need to be. Sometimes I'll have people come to me in the context of the group and they say, well, I went too fast, but it wasn't my fault. It was the group's fault. The whole group went too fast. And that is not an excuse to go too fast. So you have to be very careful in the context of a group not to get sucked into a pace that is too fast for where you might be in training. And so that's where you've got to be really accountable to yourself as well. So yes, the group can hold you accountable, but you also have to be accountable to yourself. You can't use the group as an excuse. You have to know exactly where you should be. You have to know how you can stay in your own zone 
And sometimes you need to let the group go if they're going too fast and you need to stay in the zone that's right for you given whatever you might be trying to achieve on the day. So that's the big watch out with group training is that you don't get sucked in beyond where you should be. So make sure that in the context of the group, you stay in your zone, stay in your space. And that's where you can also communicate and work together with your group to make sure that's happening. So if the group is going out too fast, communicate, talk to them. Be like, hey guys, we're going too fast. Now, don't be annoying about it, but you know, communicate, let them know. And if they still want to go too fast, then let them go. Maybe you can be the one that brings them back, reins them in and make sure that you're staying on task. So, so make sure that you are a part of that feedback loop, that mechanism that keeps the group accountable, that doesn't just seed or, or outsource your paces, your training to the group, but, but is a part of it that's involved, that communicates with the group to make sure that you're in a space that's right for all of you. Because if you're going to train in a group, then you need to take full advantage, both as someone who benefits from the group, but also communicates and supports and benefits the group as well. It goes both ways. So that's number five is make sure that if you train in the context of a group, that you don't get sucked in into doing something that's not right for you. So there we go. Five things on solo training. Five things on group training. Hopefully this is a beneficial beneficial conversation for you. No matter what, there is a modality that's out there for you that's best. And I can also say that sometimes it might change. Perhaps there's a time and a space for you to train solo. Perhaps there's a time and a space for you to train in a group and vice versa. And that's okay. Both can be beautiful. Both can be powerful ways to get the most out of yourself but keep these 10 things in mind as you do it so that you make sure that regardless of the modality that you choose, that it allows you to get the most potential from yourself. So we'll wrap this episode here. Thank you again to BetterHelp as well as Athletic Greens for sponsoring this episode. Thanks to all of you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about Rogue, you can go to roguerunning.com or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Rogue Running. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon.